on your mark, get set, go. Today is Palm Sunday. If you, uh, when I was growing up in the Catholic Church um, on Palm Sunday, it was one of my very favorite days because there was a bunch of really cool things that would happen and we would make little crosses out of palm leaves and stuff like this and, and say Hosanna. I, I was like, what does that even mean? And it was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, but the reason it was a celebration on Palm Sunday, it is when Christ began the trip back to Jerusalem towards the cross. Last week, we had a memory verse, and, and uh, we talk about that a lot. Race type things. Let us, right? Let us complete this race and run the race with endurance that God has marked out for us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And then, if we would have kept on memorizing, it says that, that Jesus... He, he, he faced the cross disregarding its shame because of the joy set before him. It's like any good runner. You don't look at the finish line. If you look at the finish line, you lose. If that's what you're running to, because if you're just running to the finish line, guess what? You stop at the finish line. But you run past it. I used to run the quarter mile race, which was torture. I don't know why I ever decided to do that. And it was springtime and it was around Easter that we would start preparing, training for this. And, and then, you know, the first hundred meters you'd sprint. Okay. And then the second hundred meters, your mortality would kick in and you would realize that you weren't superhuman. And so you would begin to coast that third and you'd make it around that, that, that third corner. And then you could see you could see what was there, but if you were just running towards the finish line, you would just think about how tired you would be and how awful it was. You were just running. But no, I would think past that. I would think to, you know, the 20 steps past the finish line where I got to go lay down in the middle of the field. <laughs> and that's what Jesus did. He finished strong. So Palm Sunday is his final week where Jesus begins to, he finishes that race with endurance. We keep our eyes on Jesus and we, we run the race the same way. And that's what we'll be talking about today. This is Easter week, and uh, it's an opportunity for us to also be on what we're supposed to do. Uh, to you on Palm Sunday, uh, Jesus, like good runner, he started by being where he was supposed to be. And that's what every good race starts with. It says, on your mark. So before on your mark, the racers, they can be wherever they want to be. But when the race begins, you've got to be where you're supposed to be. And Jesus knew exactly where he was supposed to be. He, he started back toward Jerusalem. And the reason he... It wasn't just a place that he knew he had to be. It was a purpose. He knew why he came. And when a runner gets on their mark, when they find their space on that track, they know that they're there for a reason. And so we ask ourselves as a church, why are we here? Are we on our mark? And so we'll talk about that. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, Jesus gave us our mark. He told us why we are here. He didn't come to give us a comfortable life, right? That's why we run the race with endurance. He came to save us, 
But he left us here for a reason. That's the reason why when somebody shared the faith with you and you believed, you didn't just poof. Gone. There is a reason that we are here. And it tells us this as a church. We are here to make disciples. Go make disciples of all the nations. And all the nations is, is all the ethnos, all the different kinds of people. And we have Estes Park. We have all kinds of different kind of people, don't we? Some of them are really different. And we, God loves them all. And it says to make disciples. And to teach them to obey all that he's commanded. We exist here as a church. We want to make disciples. And it begins by saturating the Estes Valley with the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? That's, that's, that's the very first step. Because faith comes from what? Hearing the good news. That's where it begins. So we've got to make sure that we're getting the good news out there. You know that Easter, you ever wonder why we, we celebrate Easter the way that we do? When it is and why we call it that? Yeah, it's just, Tater knows. We talked about this. <laughs> Here's the thing. Easter, obviously we're celebrating Jesus' resurrection. As Christians, we celebrate that every day. As a church, Christians, we come together every Sunday and celebrate Easter. That's why we meet on Sunday, not Saturday. Isn't that amazing? We celebrate. So why on earth this big hubbub about Easter? Easter is every day for us. Because it's an opportunity. You know that Easter even comes from a pagan's God's name? And there's a reason why we still cling to that. You know, the church was brilliant. They said, you have at springtime these big celebrations about life returning at springtime. Do you know about life that really returned? There was a God who came and he died and he rose again. What a perfect time. But to take their own, what they were ready to hear, with that, at springtime, those cultures were ready to hear the story of rebirth. And the eggs. I love eggs because they start out plain and boring. And you baptize them and they come out glorified. I love that. Right? Or bunny rabbits. Man, they go into the ground in the wintertime. You don't see them. There's like they go in by twos, right? They just go under the earth and they just buried under the snow all winter long. And they come out and there's lots of them. Life. Our God is a God of life. Easter is an opportunity for us to reach our community with the life-giving message of Jesus. It's good news. And so this coming Sunday on our mark, as we're ready and we start beginning to focus, why are we here? We want to share the good news with people around us. This coming Easter isn't just a celebration for us. We celebrate all the time. We get the party every day. But it's an opportunity, it's a doorway to open up, to tell the people around us the good news of Jesus. And it's the one or two times a year that most people in our community are willing to come and to hear good news. So we want to make the most of it. Let's get on our mark. But now, since we're on our mark, we've got to get set. Now, when you you get on your mark at a race, if they get on your mark, all you've got to do is walk into your lane and behind your line. That's all you've got to do, right? You know why you're there. But then, then the starter says, get set. And now it's on, on, right? You've got to be ready. Because while finishing is really what matters in a race, how you start is still very important. And you have to be ready for the start. 
you have to be ready to run. You don't see when you, when you watch the Olympics. You watch these guys who know what they're doing. They get on their mark. They're standing there and they're like, they're all ready, right? They're like this and they get set. Now they're, you know, they have a stance. Their muscles are ready. They, they've prepared. They prepared for this. When the time to go is, boom, they're ready to get into action. And that's what we need to do. We see the time coming. Easter is right around the corner. This is an opportunity for to share the gospel on a big scale. We have to get set. In the, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, there was this Pharisee who wanted to trip up Jesus and trick him. And Jesus turned the tables on him, as he usually did. And this guy said, hey, master, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law? And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. To be set means to make sure that we have the right heart. You know that uh, the gospel talks about that, uh, that uh, God looks on the inside. But it also says that people look on the inside. In the book of Revelation, it talks about how Satan is defeated in this world. Now, God could defeat Satan just by willing him out of existence. Right? No big thing for him. But he allows us to get in on the action because we don't like that guy. And he says the devil is defeated by two things. The blood of the lamb, the sacrifice of Jesus, broke the power of Satan and this world. But also the testimony of the believers. And our testimony has got to be something more than, oh, well, church is something I have to go to. That is not good news, by the way. People hear the good news when you tell them about Christ. What has he done in your life? Because when Jesus becomes real in me, it tells me in John that we're able to love others because he loved me first. It is an act of love that compels us to get ready for those that are coming. We don't want to just make converts. We don't want to just fill this building for the sake of having a big church. That is the lamest reason to ever have a big church. We have to love our community the way that God loves our community, the way that God loves you and me. To get set is to set our hearts where his heart is because it's that passion, that love will drive us to talk about the most important thing in the world. That's when the good news becomes good news. And so our love motivates us in certain ways. Some ways it's to pray. Look at how Jesus did it. He prayed for us, didn't he, before he went to the cross? And it wasn't out of obligation. He could have been very self-centered at that point, right? He was ready to run this race, go the hardest thing any of us could ever imagine. And what does he do? He prays for you and me. He goes before the Father and says, help them. Even on the cross, he prays for those who crucified him. It was love that motivated God to prepare the way in people's hearts. And he did that through prayer. And we follow that example. This week, we need, out of love, to be asking God to reach our family members who don't have any idea who Jesus really is. Or our neighbors that we live next to year-round, but do we really have a relationship? Do they really know who God is? Or those people we work with every day, punching time in the clock, making money, going off their lives, but 
Have we shared with them what's most important? Or are they just living for this tiny world which is just a vapor? Pray for those that God has given us outreach to out of love. And if you can't do that at first, if it seems awkward, then pray that God will give you his heart for them. Ask God this week, Lord, give me your heart for our community. Give me your heart for my family. Help me love them. But also pray that God would be preparing the soil of their heart for the seed of the gospel. Pray. Is it, is it work? Yeah, I mean, you have to do it. But it's wonderful. But it's a labor of love, and it ought to be. But also, we need to prepare. We want to pray for others, but we also want to be ready when the time comes. We're told in, in, in the Gospels uh, or Scripture, it says, uh, at Timothy, we should always be ready, right? To give a reason for the faith that we have. Be ready. Because if you ask God for opportunity, and that's what we need to be asking for, is opportunity to share the gospel, opportunity to invite, opportunity to love them, opportunity to talk about Christ with them, because that's the good news. But when we pray for that, guess what happens? God provides the opportunity. And then what? we got to be ready. We have to have some reason. Well, how do I prepare for this? Well, in the back of your seat pockets, if you've never gone through it, there's Romans Road. There's a little bookmark that we made to help hold those envelopes up so they don't be floppy. But those are for you to take, too, by the way, if you want them. <laughs> if you've never known the, the, what the Bible talks about as salvation, memorize those. We've memorized it last year. We'll go through it again this next year. But if you wonder what does the Bible say about how a person can be saved, there it is. But also, you have a testimony in your life. And you say, Jesus changed me. He's not just a club that I go to. It's not just some rules that I follow, but he's changing me. And I want you to have that joy too. And some things that you can do, some people write down their testimony. And it's sometimes super short and sometimes it's super long. But you look through it and make a couple revisions so you can get it done in maybe two, three minutes. Have that ready. So that you can make sense when somebody, when God opens that door, so you're not like, okay. Right? Be ready. But we also want to prepare our building and our space. It's all about hospitality. Think when you invite somebody to your home. Right? You're going to have dinner. Do you just leave your socks hanging out on the floor and, you know, laundry baskets out there and dishes? No, when somebody comes to your house... You honor them most of the time. You ought to. You, you, you tidy it up. You make it look good. It's not about putting on false pretenses. You bring your best. And this is an opportunity. Next week, we're going to have a lot of guests. We want to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. But we want to honor them with our very, very best. And we prepare our building. We prepare our hearts. We do this not out of obligation, not out of just work, but out of love. We want to show others the incredible hospitality that God shows us. To be ready, to be prepared. And another thing we do is we talk about Jesus. To be ready. To be ready to just promote, just to tell people about who Jesus is. We have to be, on, we have to be ready for this. So get set. And now, of course, this is no surprise, you don't stay there forever. Because if you did, you'd get tired and you'd be like, this is the dumbest race in the world. 
I quit running. No, there's a time where God tells us to run the race. And it's exhausting, yes, it's, it's tough, but it's also exhilarating, it's thrilling. The Christian life is the greatest adventure ever. Right? It's like the best movie. Because all good movies, you ever watch a movie that's completely lame, it's one that has no plot, and has no plot because nothing happens. And it's just boring, just people walking around talking. We're not like that. Every good movie's got adventure. It's got, it's got parts that are scary. It's got parts of intrigue. It's got parts that are rough. It's parts you like. You don't think that the, the main character's going to make it through. And then it's got an amazing resolution. We win. And, and the bigger that, that difficulty is in our life, the more perilous it looks from the outside, the better the story God is putting us. He's allowing us to live this adventure with him. And part of that adventure is now going. And it is terrifying to share good news. I don't know why, but it's wonderful. It's exhilarating. God has called us for this. And so we must go and do it. It says in Romans 8.17, I'll just read it first, and then there's past portions that we'll pull out because it's a long passage. It says this. This is what the scripture says. The word is near you, it is in your mouth, and it is in your heart. That is the teaching of faith that we are telling. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. We believe with our hearts and are made right with God and we declare with our mouths what we believe and we are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. That scripture says anyone because there is no difference between those who are Jews and those who are not. The same Lord is the same Lord who gives too many blessings to all who trust him. And the scripture says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. And before someone, can go tell, before someone can go tell them, that person must be sent. As it is written, how beautiful is a person who comes to bring good news. But not everyone who hears the good news will accept it. Isaiah said, Lord, who believed what we told them? Even so, faith comes from hearing the good news and people hear the good news when someone tells them about Christ. Being a disciple starts with a relationship with Jesus ourselves, right? We're going to be disciples that build disciples. We do this out of love. Our testimony begins with this. It's not just something we know. It's something that we are. Get this in this passage. It says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That's what qualifies us to tell people about Jesus, is that he's real in our own life. To go begins with having a real relationship with Jesus ourself. If Jesus is some far-off concept or some idea or, or some religion, if he's not near you, he's not in your mouth and your heart, if he's not real close, then your testimony is going to be pretty weak because it's just something that you've heard. We begin with a real relationship with God. Going begins with that. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you say to yourself, I don't have that kind of relationship with God. That's okay, you've heard the good news. Jesus really can make that difference. For you to go means to begin by building this real relationship with God. Invite him into your life. Accept his salvation. 
Accept the transforming power he puts into you. Dive in. We begin by having that relationship. That is the very root and the power of our testimony. But we don't stop there. After it says in Scripture, it begins with talking about why we need to have that. It then says this. If I touch it hard enough. It says, before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. And before that person can go tell them, that person must be sent. This is just common sense. Humans are not born with an innate knowledge of Jesus Christ. In fact, everything he did is contradictory to our nature. He came, he lived a sinless life which we would think we can't do, but regardless, he did. We can understand that concept. And then he died for everyone who didn't live that. He saved everyone who was his enemy. That is not on our nature. He, he, brings, he gives us grace when we deserve contempt. He gives us life when we earned death. That is not something that we're just born understanding that God would be that way. And that's why every other religion in the world is about what we can do to appease God, what we can do to earn our way back to him. Every religion that people come up with are the opposite of the gospel. They're all about you better earn it and you better hope you did. That is not good news. But we have good news and people hear the good news when we tell them about Christ. And so you have to be sent. And so Christ sent us. You have a mission. God didn't come just to save you. He did come to save you, but that's not the only reason. He left you here so you could tell people about him. You are set. So going means let's go out and do it. Set in your heart and your mind. I am going to make sure that when my time on this earth is not going to be like a candle under a basket. My time on this earth is going to be, it's going to shine good news. And that means that there have got to be people in your life that God put you around who live in very dark places. He put you there. You are his missionary to Estes Park. Go. You have been sent. And just like that common common sense verse that we've said, so faith comes from hearing this good news. There is power in what you share. You can tell someone about Amway, right? And they might believe you a little about Amway. You can talk them into that because the power comes from the sales pitch. But this is totally different. The power of this comes from the love and the passion and the personal relationship with Jesus. And when you talk about the Lord, when they see it in your heart and your life, they can sense it. They know that you're not just selling them something. You are sharing with them the incredible good news that this world isn't all there is. That their death is not the end. That there is hope. That there is something past that finish line. And it's a big old party. And they're invited. Good news. We have to tell them about Christ. So go and do it. And Aaron, well, that's all fantastic stuff. How do I go and do all of that? Well, I've got some ideas. On your connection card, if you want to take that out. Here are some other things that we can do this week to prepare. And the first one is to memorize Romans 10:17, because how often do we think that telling someone the good news is a sales pitch? Right? And we forget that people don't know good news. And this verse tells us that faith comes from hearing the good news. And people hear the good news when? When some about Christ. And so make sure that this is part of your DNA. 
memorize it this week and ask God for opportunity. Maybe that's what you do. Or maybe on the back you can check to say, I'm not just going to commit to memorizing, but also maybe reading the book of Acts. Why read the book of Acts? Because next week we start a new series through the book of Acts. And it is so encouraging. It is called Victorious Living for a reason. We're going to be looking at different people in, in the book of Acts, the very beginning of the church, and how God transforms the world by changing lives. It's, it's incredible. We start, of course, Easter about Jesus. He overcomes death. If you want to read the whole thing of Acts, it's not it's long, but it's not terribly long. You can read it, and maybe that's what you do this week to prepare your heart. See what God can do when the gospel invades the world. It's it's amazing. Uh, or maybe this: pray for your one to five. What's that? It's always nice to have at least one person that you're praying for, somebody in your life. If you don't know any people that are pre-believers, you need to go find some. Okay, but you find them. And then you begin praying for them intentionally, regularly. And so if you don't have somebody, think about, is there somebody in your family that doesn't know Jesus yet? Begin praying for them. That's, that's your one person. How about, is there somebody in your neighborhood? Maybe you've lived by them all this time and they still don't know the good news. Pray for them. That's another person that you can pray for. How about there's somebody at work that doesn't know Jesus? And you look in their life and you think, that person, there's no way they'll ever ever, ever turn to Jesus, then really pray for that person, right? Because God does miracles. But fine, one, two, three, four, five people. Why five? You get five fingers on your hand. After that, it kind of gets, you get, but if you just assign a person to a finger, then as you're praying, you're like, who should I pray for again? Oh yeah, I want to pray for John, right? And then I want to, and pray for them every day. Pray for your one to five, that God will invade their heart with the life-transforming, life-giving message of the gospel. And that's what you do this week. Start that. How about this? Invite someone to Easter. If you check that, are you in luck? Because we have in our things, there's two of these cards. It's a little invitation to the Easter service. To say there's somebody that you know that you've been praying for, you want to invite them, or maybe you don't know anyone, just keep the extra one, that's why we're giving you two. One that you're intentionally going to give to, the other one, you never know. God will just give you an opportunity. Maybe you're standing at Safeway, you meet somebody new to town, you're like, hey, Join us at Easter service. Tells us all about the Easter service, which is here. That's what you do is say, oh, it's nice to meet you. Would you like to join us at our Easter service? The Sunday, you have a church that you go to? If they say yes, say, well, wonderful. God bless you. But if they say no, so would you, would you be willing to come and join us at ours? And it gives you all the information. And you can just give them this card. There's two of them. So take those out and put them in your pocket even right now. But, but if you would commit to inviting somebody, that's powerful. And pray for them. Or to serve. There's another thing, too. You can do both. But to serve would be to sign up one of those things to help us to really show hospitality. And maybe there's something else that God's calling you to do as you get ready to, to, to run this race with Christ, right? Yes. Right. What a great reminder. What a great reminder. Yes, because everybody means everybody. Yes. So maybe that's what it is. Write down whatever it is that God's calling you to do. Make sure you mark that down. And in a couple seconds, you're going to take our offering. And to take our offering, of course, drop this into the offering basket. 
Uh, if you have a prayer request, an addition, or another commitment to make, make sure you mark that down as well. Know that we will be praying for you this week. Uh, it's our great joy to do that. But make this an offering of yourself to God, along with your gifts and your tithes. Let's pray for those now. Please join me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are real and that you are good and that you are powerful and that you are kind, that you are bigger than anything in this world and that you have overcome this world. And because of that, even in the midst of incredibly hard things, we have peace. And in the midst of the incredibly impossible things, we have hope because we have a risen Savior whom we celebrate today. And Father, I pray that you would allow that risen Savior to come alive in our hearts this week. Let our love for you compel us to love those around us. Father, let us not forget that you first loved us and you gave us grace and we didn't deserve it. And you set a place at your table for us when we were still your enemies. So, Father, empower us. Let us go with the boldness of the Holy Spirit and the passion of your love to reach and to saturate this mountain valley with the good news that Jesus is real, he is God, he is risen, and there is hope. And, Father, now I pray that you would accept these commitments that we are making and you would accept these tithes and these offerings. May they be a wonderful sacrifice of our hearts to you. An example of our dependence comes, is based squarely upon you. And that we live life fully when we live it with you and for you. So God bless these and help us keep them. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.